0: Hello, dreamer. Today you get to hear from Billy Ortiz, a dream worker with over two decades of experience. In this conversation, you'll hear a little bit about her early days facilitating dream groups over a distance using a bridge line on the actual telephone way before Zoom. We also talk quite a bit about this waking collective dream we're all in in 2020. We recorded this a few weeks ago, so... You may notice that that also feels a little bit like a throwback to way back last month when we were at a slightly different moment in this experience of social distancing, mask wearing, the Black Lives Matter movement, and all that we're going through together right now. We talk about how our dreams vote for us to express ourselves creatively, what it might mean when we're confused or surprised within a dream, The insights we can get by combining tarot cards and numbers with dream work. And the ancestral layer in our dreams. Here you go. You're listening to the Dreamer's Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us. What's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org slash open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Billy Ortiz. She is a certified dream worker who's been facilitating dream groups, workshops, and retreats for over 20 years. She's well-versed in the realm of myth and fairy tale as well, and she'll often help a dreamer find the archetypal messages of their dreams. Her certification as a dream worker was through Dr. Jeremy Taylor's Marin Institute for Projective Dreamwork. She worked closely with Jeremy Taylor, co facilitating 27 retreats with him between 2003 and 2015. You also may have heard from her in one of the workshops she's done for the International Association for the Study of Dreams, Saging International, or Boulder Friends of Young.
1: Welcome, Billy. Hi, Leilani. Good to be here. Thank you.
0: I'd love to jump in first by asking you about the beginning of work for you, how you realized that dreams really mattered to you.
1: Well, it all started because I was watching um, a marathon of Joseph Campbell's work. Um, I think it was the Mythos series. And at some point he talks about how age 35 is the middle of your life, no matter how long you live. And it Hit me yeah. like a thunderbolt because I was just about to turn 35. So I went on a soul quest, you know, to try to find something that was inspiring, something that I could really sink my teeth into and get in, um, motivated from. So I lo- I went looking at, for many different classes, and I managed to meet a man named Dr. Ron Mesa, and he um, w- was teaching classes on all sorts of spiritual. Things and so I, I joined a class about Iching. and after that was over, he said, "Billy, I have uh, another class you might be interested in. It's about dreams." And I joined that class, and I've told this story so many times. I was in that group for nearly every Tuesday night for the next five years, and wow. Ron and I built a business together called the University of Yourself, and we had many groups that we ran via at that time it was way before zoom it was what they called a a bridge line where you could have people from all over uh the country call in and everybody could hear each other at the same time and we developed all these groups and at some point we were running up to four groups a, a week so I lovingly call this the period of my life uh dream boot camp uh-huh and, um so anyway so we developed a lot a lot of it was inspired from dreams that i had i had a dream called telephone dream service and that inspired us to create the teledream group and then it just all sort of rolled from there and i worked with ron for five years Uh and then i met jeremy taylor and during that time i was working with um ron he was encouraging me to read jeremy taylor's books and i did uh dream work and uh, where people fly and water runs uphill,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then I looked at a, at a catalog for Naropa University, and I saw that Jeremy was coming to teach a workshop, and I was like, "Oh, this is so synchronistic! I mean, this is just wild!" And this is the guy I've been reading all these books about, and then that was a life changing experience because I've experienced the in in a large group, the if it were my dream format the projective form of dream work. And it was, it was just, um, an epiphany moment. Mm -hmm. And I went from there and studied with Jeremy for many years after that.
0: And now in the dream groups that you run, do you use Jeremy's approach the projective dream work?
1: Yes. Um, I, I always insist on it because it's so important when we're making a comment on someone's dream, Uh, We can't assume that we know what the dream means. Only a dreamer can say for sure what his or her dream means. So if I say to someone, well, I think you, your dream means this, then that's already an accusatory tone and it puts the dreamer on the defensive. But when we use the, if it were my dream, then it goes both ways. Because when I hear myself saying it in the first person, I realize it's true for me too. Right, yeah.
0: And I've noticed when I hear myself say that about someone else's dream that it's almost more comfortable to say it and own it as mine because it is true for me, And then I'm not waiting necessarily for them to say, "Oh, yeah, you're right or you're not right because mm-hmm. it is true for me, and then they it can either strike a chord for them mm-hmm. or not, but um, that's, yeah, it's very different than than trying to guess at what might be true
1: for them. Right, and because it's you know everything comes from the unconscious. All the dreams come from the unconscious. So the dreamer doesn't really know what their dream means either until things are woken up, until suggestions and projections are made, and then we look for that aha response.
0: Do you have any any stories you could share about a specific dream? and the, the process that you went through to get to that aha moment? Oh, yes. There
1: was a dream that I had at the end of um, 2002, I believe. And it was um, titled, I titled the dream dream camp. And because once I started working with dreams with, with Ron, um, I almost immediately started working, uh, dreaming about working on dreams. Mm. It showed up in my dream space and me almost immediately. So one of the dreams I had that inspired me to start all the events that I have hosted over the years, it was called, I titled the dream dream camp and Jeremy Taylor showed up in the dream and um, all the dreamers, we were away to this place like a camp. And I thought, Oh, this is great. I really want to create something like this, where it's a weekend event where everybody kind of gets away um, from their daily life. Sharing dreams together, art, maybe some movement, yoga, and share our meals together, sort of like camp. (laughs) So I was so inspired by this dream, I I uh, I did I created the the dream retreats, and the first dream retreat was in August of two thousand three, and I hosted a total of twenty seven, co facilitated with Jeremy. Wow, and then. I continued, you know, after he stopped, um, traveling and sadly when he passed away in 2018. So it it was a big part of my life. And if I had not acted on the inspiration of that dream, I don't know which direction my life would have gone very differently. Mm. So that
0: dream took a very literal meaning for you.
1: Mm. Oh yes, it did. It, It, I was so inspired by it. It was just some, I would just felt so, um, Motivated and excited and enthusiastic about this, I thought I can do this. I can really create this event. Yeah, and I'm so. I I I look back on that and I think you know really unconsciously I was creating a spiritual family Uh because the people that have come to those events over the years and are people that I'm still very closely connected with, and um, you know they're like my family, my spiritual family.
0: Yeah, there's really nothing like the connection that happens with people who walk through my dream life with me and share their dream lives with me. Meeting each other on that level, oh,
1: definitely. I mean, you know, it's we we uh, we touch each other in a in a way so much deeper um, than small talk or or you know, how's the weather and you know (laughs) that kind of stuff. How's your, you know, if if we stay on the surface, you know, with dreams, we can we can learn so much about each other so quickly. Uh, gets to the root of everything.
0: And do you have any examples from your dreams or anyone else's that maybe you can share anonymously? It's all right if you don't, but I wonder if there's any stories of a dream where in the process of working it in the group, the dreamer realizes, oh, wow, I never looked at it that way. Like an example of really turning the changing the angle on a certain image or metaphor.
1: Well, I think that happens a lot with, um, creative expression Mm. a lot of times people might take what people tend to do which is typical you know we we all do it is to look at the dream on the literal layer first I mean and just say okay this this is this dream is telling me this you know but if we look at it deeper sometimes there's hints about how to express how some energy within me as the dreamer wishes to be expressed creatively a lot of times, uh, people feel very inhibited about any type of creative expression. Um, they feel like either they've been criticized in the past or they feel as though they're not good enough or they're not um, they were told something early on in elementary school that stuck with them, and they they never felt like they could show their creativity. Mm-hmm. So uh, a big part of what our dreams do is show us where. Our energy is going and then show also letting us know where it wishes to go. So, a lot of times that happens in dreams where maybe one of the suggestions on the projections will be like, you know, if this for me, I might have a book to write, that uh-huh. kind of thing. Uh-huh. If this were me, I might want to be expressing my emotions through um, sculpture or, or, uh, or paint, or whatever, or collage, whatever it might be. Um, so those are the kind of things that sometimes if, if we look beyond the literal layer, a lot of times there's hints about creative expression.
0: Yeah, almost like promptings to, to express this energy in some way. Oh,
1: because the dreams always vote for that. Uh-huh. I mean, my version of it, from doing this for so many years, I see that um, the dreams are always voting for are you know what is my most authentic self that wishes to be expressed, and how does it? How am I going to take the steps to get there?
0: So dreams can sometimes prompt us to do uncomfortable things, then, in uh, changing how we're not being authentic.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it it you know for us to step into our future self, it is very. It feels very uncomfortable at first because we want the. You know, Dr. Ron used to say all the time the ego votes for more of the same more of the same more of the same you know because we're just so our habitual patterns are comfortable yeah and so when we're invited by an uh, an inspiring dream to move past those boundaries i mean that's a, that's a metaphor that shows up quite a lot an example would be if the dreamer says well i was just very confused whenever the word confused shows up or um you know i i was surprised when that when confusion and surprise show up it's often a marker saying that i as the dreamer have gone beyond my habitual pattern and i've moved into a territory that's unknown
0: uh-huh
1: so, so confusion and surprise will usually be one of those things that will that we'll come up in the narrative to explain you know hey i've reached new ground i'm i'm on I'm in new territory now. A big one is I've lost the car. I don't know where my car is. Yeah. I parked it there and I go back and it's not there. And then because I've lost my car, I have to start walking through this unknown town. And I get very nervous and scared. Oh no, where am I going? So at first it feels uncomfortable. But then um, if I'm you know working with a dreamer that reports a dream of that type, I'll, I'll say. Well, you know, if this were my dream, (laughs) maybe part of the part of the message is that I'm supposed to leave my car behind. I'm supposed to leave my old way of doing things behind, in order to express, in order to discover, um, some, in in order to explore, and be able to see something that I had not seen before. So a lot of times, it you know, the the emotion in a dream, is another thing that we can't take literally. If I feel afraid or scared in the dream, I can't stick with that and say, "Oh well, see, gosh, you know, this is telling me I'm really scared." And you know that that's um, that's taking it literally. Um, If I go past that that scare, that fright might be hiding another stronger emotion underneath. And and so I'm going to feel so as I move into my new version of myself. It's going to feel scary and uncomfortable at first, but in order, but change and transformation is going to feel that way.
0: So that's so interesting about emotions as metaphor, because I remember Jeremy saying that about anger in particular. If I remember right, he was talking about how he'd seen that most often with men for whom anger was a more acceptable emotion than some of the others, and that anger would show up in the dream, but it was a stand-in for other emotions. But I've heard a lot of people in working dreams talk about how the emotion is one thing you can sort of rely on. When you have the emotion in the dream, it's letting you know about an emotion you're either having a lot of in your waking life or that's absent, somewhere that you're not going in your waking it's, life. It's
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tricky, though. It's a tricky one to... to I, I personally look at every emotion as a metaphor. Because I think if I, you know, because if I have a dream that shows me I'm just all happy and everything's great, <laughs> everything's going along uh-huh. just fine, and there's unicorns and there's, you know, <laughs> flying fairies and everything's beautiful, and I'm just so excited, that's a great dream. However, the dream is coming in the service of health and wholeness to help me grow and change. So it, you know, if that's a dream that maybe comes after a long period of inner work, then I would say, yeah, bravo. If it's a dream that comes at at the beginning of, of, of some transformational process, I would be suspect of it and look deeper into the dream and say, Hmm, if this were my dream, what else is the dream trying to tell me? Um, because I don't, I don't grow if I, if I'm just going to be always patted on the back, if you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, there's a feeling in there that could be someplace that I'm comfortable going right now, but, but I can also, I I would look deeper.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I would imagine that even that dream, even with the unicorns and the fairies, you know, if we were to hear that, that as a real dream, there'd be other presences or things about the setting or something that would invite us deeper into where, where some kind of change is needed. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. It's always, they're multi-layered, multi-dimensional. So I can't look at just one track. That's why working dreams in groups is so powerful mm-hmm. because it's, I'm able to see, you know, the dreamer is able to see so many different layers presented by all the different aspects of the, of the people in the group.
0: And something else I wanted to ask you about, I've heard you mention is working events within your own waking life as a dream or someone else's waking life or our collective experience right now. I know you've been doing a series of events talking about the pandemic mm-hmm. um, through that metaphorical lens and this collective dream that we're in. So I'd like to hear some more from you about that. What, what it means to you to look at a waking life event as a dream and how you do that. Sure.
1: It, it Well, it's anybody who's done this work for any length of time. Um, most of my friends and colleagues, uh, we, we look at our, uh, a p- particularly emotionally charged event of our life that sticks with this then we will we will write it out as though it were a dream and then work it as a dream so so the the big one for me was when I was um, finishing working with Dr. Ron and I was starting to go out on my own and um, I had this kind of you know break in between of trying to figure out where I wanted what kind of direction and can I do this? I I had a lot of, you know, um, self-image problems at that point where I'm thinking, you know, can I really do dream work on my own? It's been Dr. Ron and Billy all these years. And, you know, we had partnered up. And so, um, I took a break and some friends of mine would come over and they would, they would work dreams with me individually. And they're like, Billy, you know, gosh, you know, you, you really love this work. You probably should, you got to continue. So I, I looked at Jeremy's website, because Jeremy Taylor's website, because I remembered that he came every year in the fall to a place in Denver, a church in Denver, to do a workshop annually. So I thought, okay, I'm going to work up the courage and drive. Down. I don't like driving in Denver. Cause I get really confused. All the one-way streets and all the, it, the big skyscrapers. I don't know where the hell I'm going half the time. So this was long before your phone could tell you where to go and GPS on your dashboard and everything. Yeah. So I had printed out this map quest and I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to muster up my courage. I'm going to drive down to Denver and I'm going (laughs) to talk with Jeremy Taylor because I had had the dream dream camp and I was excited to tell him about it. And I wanted to start these events and see what his feedback was. So I go down I-25, I get off. On the exit and as if it were a movie there's uh these cops in front of me and they put down these barricades and they start signaling with their hand to turn around and leave you know get off the exit and i'm panicking because i'm thinking i've got this map quest that (laughs) tells me how to get there i don't know my (laughs) way around ever so i have to get off and go back onto the highway and then start trying to find my way it's just like we were saying before about you know getting lost or confused in a dream but it felt like it was I was lost and confused so i thought okay i i'm, I'm going to have to try to figure this out and i had the address and i thought okay i'll just keep going it well every time i went down a particular street another group of cops all in riot gear you know the helmets the shields everything and they they barricade off another street And I'm thinking, Oh no, this is just, this is just crazy. So I was really starting to get very upset. I was about ready to start crying and give up and go home. And then I thought to myself, if this were a dream, what's happening here? And I thought, Hmm, the cops, the police, they represent authority. They represent traditional uh, conventional authority. Um, so what part of my inner conventional authority is blocking me from doing this work on my own without Dr. Ron. And I drove around a little bit, this little Saturn. I'm going, I felt, it must have looked like a little ping pong ball because I'd go down one, <laughs> one street and then go, oh, there's a the barricade and go back. So there so right when I got that aha moment, I thought, you know, I'm limiting myself. This is I'm limiting myself from continuing dream work. And at that moment, as if it, Again, as if it were a movie, uh, a cop on, on um, horseback gallops up behind me, comes up to w- my driver's side window, and shouts down to me, where are you trying to get to? And I, oh, wow. I, roll, I roll down my window, and I'm saying, 14th <laughs> and Williams. So he gallops in front of me and starts directing me where to turn. And so it was like my knight in shining armor showed up and, yeah. and I found the church and I, and I got there right when Jeremy had just finished the introduction and we did the, the workshop and at lunch, I, I told him about the dream of dream camp and um, how I wanted to start the events. So it was one of those moments where it was like, I could have given up and gone home mm-hmm. um, because it did feel uncomfortable and it, I was scared and I didn't know where the hell I was. And. And i I just didn't know what else to do. And then, as soon as I looked at it as a waking life dream, that's when the when the the officer on the on the horseback showed up. And so later, I found out the reason that they were all in riot gear and bar- barricading off is it was Columbus Day weekend. and they had gotten word that um a large group of indigenous people were coming down from South Dakota. And, were planning to protest mm. um, and so they were preparing <laughs> for this social upheaval. So that's another another part of the metaphor of like yeah. some change and um, fighting for rights and fighting for for equality. Wow, Wow. that's
0: an amazing uh, waking life dream. I mean the whole the whole thing from you saying how you feel about driving in Denver? You know, mm-hmm. If that were my dream, that would be about the intimidation of going into dreams at all, because right. I forget exactly how you said it, but it was you know all the one way streets. I just get confused there,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: dreams are that way too. And and in this in this time of moving more deeply into dream work, it feels like I'm going to go somewhere really confusing.
1: <laughs> right. It was. And it had. It was. The timing was was just phenomenal because it was like the minute I get off of. It, I twenty five. It's me. There's no cars ahead of me. Uh-huh. He put the guy, the the, the policeman put the barricade r- right in front of my car. Wow. It was like directly in front of me, and and told, and there was maybe a couple people behind me, but we had to all turn around and get off because we couldn't go down Spear Boulevard.
0: And the as you said, the the metaphor with the uh, the reason the police were even there in riot gear. Yes, I mean thinking about this official day that um, brings back to mind this history of violence and oppression and the the disrespect inherent in honoring that day for, you know, for someone who initiated that type of conquest, right? And so that energy is coming into the city at the same time.
1: Oh, boy, I know. It's just, it's filled with metaphors of, fighting for independence. <laughs> you know, and so yeah, exactly. I mean they were up and now I think they've changed it to um instead of Columbus Day, uh, they called Indigenous uh, People's Day or something. Yeah. So but it was it it just um magnified the the intensity of it to see the police officers not only there with their regular uniforms, I mean they had the whole gear on. So that was a life changing event, of course. So
0: Yeah. Great, That's a great example. And then another thing I know you like to do in your work is incorporate tarot cards, and that's been a part of how you've been exploring this collective waking dream we're in right now. Right. Is there anything you could share about that, how you got started combining the two and how
1: the tarot cards work into dreams? Well, I've always um enjoyed every time I work a session or a group and a dream in a group, uh, I like to close with um, a, a tarot card from the Osho's and tarot because they have such beautiful illustrations, and it's always sort of like that last little bit of energy, that exclamation point at the end, to give the dreamer an image and a and a, a thought to end the work. You know, ma- mostly I got involved with studying more about the tarot because I noticed how frequently numbers show up in in dreams, mm. and often. <clears throat> Um, you know, one of the first places to go is say, for instance, that number twelve shows up. Um, I might ask the dreamer, "Well, what do I remember about the age twelve? Or what do I remember twelve years ago? That kind of thing." Yeah. But tw- but twelve also is the number for the hangman, um, and it's a particularly vivid part of our our journey uh, through the unconscious because as we're developing, we have that. There's a part where when we hit the hanged man energy if you, and most people will remember the image of it's a man hung by his foot and he's upside down and he's got one uh, leg crossed over the other. Mm -hmm. And it's, and most of the time around his head, you'll see a bright halo. Mm -hmm. So that's the indication that this, this particular stage of, of my life, I'm feeling stuck. And I feel as though I can't go further on the same path, but then the halo is, is, um, you know, sort of a hint at the fact that this is a sacred space and the fact that he's upside down is a metaphor for the new, a new perspective. How do I look at things differently than I've looked at them so far? And how do I take this time of what, feeling stuck in order to grow and change and evolve? rather than to just keep complaining about being stuck. Mm-hmm. So frequently we get to a point in our lives where we feel that way. And and there the metaphor is there are no paths that lead from the hanged man. I have to forge a new path. Um so it's sort of like the car thing. Like I can't find my car because I'm supposed to go a different way than uh-huh. I've gone before. Um, so, so if 12 would show up in a dream, that might be something that I would rec- that I would mention. And most of the time it resonates for the dreamer. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that that's one way that I incorporated in with dream work. And then what Patty Ashley and I are doing, um, it's about once a month or once a, a couple, sometimes a couple times a month where we invite people. We have a particular card that we select and we, ask people to come and discuss where that particular energy shows up in their lives. So for instance, uh, tomorrow's group is about the hermit, which happens to be number nine. And the hermit, a lot of people might remember if they've seen the depicted this way, it's a, an old man with a robe carrying, um, a lantern. And usually he's on the top of a mountain, um, like very cold and, and, um, desolate kind of, surrounding and the metaphor there is that um the hermit is the part of us that goes within to find our own spiritual truth so that's right that's represented by the light in the lantern that he's carrying that that and i don't need and the idea of the hermit is i don't need anyone else's approval or encouragement it's it's my personal truth so i keep it to you know I, i light my own way with my own spiritual truth.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So we discuss um, that energy on the, on the zoom groups and some really profound things come out of it. Well, because we started these because of this pandemic um, and the social distancing and to give people a chance to look at things from the metaphor and symbolism of what we're going through, rather than the facts and the figures that we hear on the news.
0: Yeah. Is there any, any nugget you could share from one of those about how we could view this th- metaphorically? Something that came up
1: in one of these discussions? A lot of what we talk about is how, ironically, the fact that we have been social distanced has also made us closer. It's made us realize how um, something like this virus that um, has spread globally, it's re- rem- it's a reminder that we really are connected whether we consciously acknowledge it or not. All humanity is connected. Yeah. And then there's the the layer of um, many people have talked about how the earth has been healing um, in many ways because of our slowing down Mm -hmm. and not driving as frequently. And how it's how the worst thing that can happen has somehow been one of the best things too. So we have to look at that paradox and hold that paradox Mm -hmm. because we miss getting together and touching and hugging. And I really miss having meals with my friends and little, you know, get togethers and all of that. However, there's this idea that we have to go deeper within each, each individually um, find our own personal truth
0: right and and it also reveals to us how, what else is involved when we get together in person whether it's flying on a plane or driving in a car or being exposed to each other physically and how that can you know transmit a virus
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's like the the whole context for being together starts to connote more meanings like, metaphorically mm-hmm. like what is it to be alone and what is it to be physically together. Right. And like you're saying, this time to go within, you know, we can't really do that when we're constantly interacting with others, not in the same way anyway, although a dream group is a good time to go inward. It's-
1: yes. Yes. Mostly rushing around. I think, I think that was a big part of what I, uh, most of us experienced. And I think that was something that many of us were distracted by, because it was always so much rushing. Yeah. And so that, that um, quieting that down changed a lot of things for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of us who don't ever want to go back to rushing around like that again, you know, and maybe wouldn't have realized that without the enforced slowdown.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It, that's exactly it. I We may not, we may have just continued <laughs> yeah. just Whirlwind speed and not not thought about it. Yeah,
0: although something would have stopped us eventually. I'm sure it's the
1: national law. That's
0: But yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah. So it's an outcry from Mother Nature, in my version too. You know, that's another thing we've discussed a lot on on the um, Tarot groups too. Is that this is way beyond our control? This is something that came from Mother Nature, and was it is it a wake up call? From mother nature to say hey you know i need you all to slow down i need the earth to heal i need to i need you to understand that there's this like piece of of things that we can't control everything i think a lot of people are have become addicted to control and it's like this is not something i can't control it's yeah. beyond me right the illusion
0: of control anyway
1: Right. Exactly. The illusion of control. You're
0: right. Well, yeah. And in my version, I mean, I see it that way as well, that it's part of the necessary rebalancing of the way human beings have been living. Yes. And, you know, it's like, I'm still in the dream. Right. But I find it very significant that this thing that probably has more potential to make us feel connected and like one human family that needs each other than anything in yes. decades that it's becoming at least here such a polarized and divisive thing where people are becoming enraged with each other about it yeah that is very significant in this this waking dream that we're all in and i don't right. i don't know what's going to come of that but that's that's what's catching my attention right now the most. I often say that about someone's dream where my attention is caught is mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. part. That's what I'm sort of watching right now,
1: right. and and uh, magnified too by the the black lives matter movement and and all of the atrocities of of violence that we've witnessed, yeah, that have all been recorded. so you know in my in my dream, waking dream <laughs> is um, that's the exposure of the shadow, the deep shadow that had to come, has to come out um, in order to be healed. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to see it and face it mm-hmm. and recognize it and say, Oh, right. That's always been there, but yeah. I've never talked about it. I've never dealt with it. I've never discussed it or, or really felt, you know, what feelings come through on it. So um, it, it's, it's such a, emotionally exhausting time, I have to say, but, but it has been really wonderful that, um, I've noticed with my work, a lot of people have reached out. Um, mm. and I've, I've heard from more new people in these last few months than I have in probably the last year. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that feeling of people searching for something else to connect with and metaphor, symbolism, dreams, Finding something that that they can resonate with,
0: yeah, it's great to hear that you're there for people in this time and that they're reaching out for it, because I think this time has we've seen it in the news, even, you know, there's been an upsurge in the number of dreams people are remembering. And maybe right. it just in the amount of sleep people are getting, um or in how much is arising that's been hidden, either ignored by the rushing or culturally suppressed. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've noticed that as well. And that's one of the most encouraging things that I feel like is going on right now is things sure. like what you just said. More people are reaching out and wanting to do this inner work and connect with each other in this way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. I, you're right. There's a, a lot of articles that have been written about, wow, you know, what's going on? Everybody's dreaming. Yeah, And the, the thing is so interesting because, you know, we're, I think the science says it's somewhere between like five and six dreams a night, Mm -hmm. which is quite overwhelming when you think about it. Uh, My take on it is right. Like you say, it's the slowing down the rushing part um, has helped people to maybe stay in bed just a little bit longer in order to remember the dream. Mm -hmm. And also I think the dream, the dreams tend to magnify and speak louder when it's times of, of, major transformation and change globally. Yeah. Um, it's trying, to, the dreams are always trying to heal us and and do it their best to to unite us, like you said.
0: Yeah. I'm curious if you have heard of any dreams with masks in them. I've heard of many dreams with this, oh, I want to hug this person, but I can't because COVID or, you know, mm-hmm. issues of that. I go in this crowded building. Oh no, what am I doing in the crowd? There's COVID. Yeah. But I'm I'm thinking about masks as a metaphor, and they're, I mean, they're just so loaded. You know, we're mm-hmm. talking about the unmasking of things that have been kept in the shadow. We're talking about masking as a way of protecting others from what we might be carrying,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as a way of protecting ourselves from taking something in from the outside. And of course, it's something that hides our faces and is something that is bringing up this whole feeling about freedom and, and, um, fear of some kind of tyranny. And so, yeah, I'm, I was just realizing I haven't heard dreams with masks. I wonder, have you?
1: Yeah. Well, I have, I've had a dreams. I, I had a dream not too long ago. Um, it was probably, I would imagine it was a couple of months into the, the whole, um, I think everything sort of shut down right in, Mid March, yeah, like right, and so this would have been probably a couple months after that. And I'm in Boulder, and I'm running down the the, just kind of rushing down the city street, and I realize, oh no, I don't have my mask on. And then I there's several people walking by me on the on the street, and I'm like, oh no, none of these people are wearing masks. And that's sort of the end of the dream. It's just sort of this one spotlight. Um, little snippet, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I woke up from that, and I thought, "Wow! So it's moved. It's moved into the unconscious space now." Mm -hmm. And I and I felt very afraid in the dream. It was a fear kind of thing. It was like, "Oh no!" Um, And then I felt first. I felt, "Oh, I was doing something wrong because I hadn't put my mask on. I didn't remember." Uh, But then I look around and I see that everybody's not wearing a mask, and then I got really frightened, and I thought, "Oh no! This could be spreading like crazy." Um, I can't say that I've heard a lot of um dreams from other people about it, but it but it shows up in different ways of um, like you said, social distancing, where people dream frequently about large crowds. Uh-huh. and oh, I'm at this crowd, I'm at this big event, and I'm with all these people. And I think there's some part of us that's missing, you know, that that connection of of large gatherings. Yeah. Um it's looking at it strictly as a, you know, literal. <laughs> but you know, and I, I and occasionally I have people that um mention like oh I had a blood test and the dream and the blood test tells me this. Yeah, I have that, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I and I had a dream uh shortly after the shutdown that um I was dancing and I had to keep dancing. I was I I titled it Dancing for the Cure. Oh yes, I remember this dream. Right. Cause I, I put it on, I posted it on Dreamer's Den, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then I, every while, every little while I have to stop dancing and and this, um, doctor takes my blood and, and, uh, tests it. And it's like periodically testing my blood <laughs> to find the right, the right, um, formula or cure it, but it had something to do with my blood type. Mm-hmm. So that was, um, That was, that showed up early on in my, my dreams. There's always that layer with our dreams about our own personal health. Yeah. And there's a couple of uh, dream, dream work friends um, who are very good at that, where they, um, they zero in on the, on the health layer Mm -hmm. and make suggestions to the dreamer about diet or, or supplements or whatever. Um, and I know that that's a big part of your work too. Yeah. With finding the elements that, you know, are out of balance within the dream. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that's the thing that makes dreams so fascinating. We can never exhaust a dream. Um, There's always going to be those, there's going to be the relationship layer. There's going to be the individual transformation and and, uh, uh, development layer. Then there's there's often a a past life layer. Mm -hmm. Then there's the health layer, the physical body. Uh, ancestral layer. uh, That shows up quite a lot.
0: Do you have any ways that you like to explore the ancestral layer? How does that, how do you figure out that there is that layer in a dream or recognize it?
1: Well, a lot of times it's, it's, it's shown as there's a large group of people and I know they're there to see me, but I don't know who they are. I don't recognize them. Mm. And, and so a lot of times it'll be those large groups of people that are non-definable. And then there might be some hint about, again, okay, my take on it is that our ancestors communicate with us sometimes through the dream space in order to relieve the energy of unlived life and unexpressed grief because those are the things I I believe that we come into the world with. For instance, you know, so many people and so particularly women, they in the late 1800s and their early 1900s, it was always about raising kids and taking care of the house. And, and they, maybe they had a dream or a, or a goal or a creative inspiration that never was allowed to be expressed or they just didn't have the time or the energy or weren't encouraged to. So, Part of that might be that I can, if I have a dream like that, then I can look back in an old uh, photo album, or I can hear stories from another elder who can tell me about, you know, my great grandmother or my great grandfather who might have had something that they wished to express that didn't get fully um, didn't fully manifest in their life. You know, grandfather loved to take photographs, but he had to you know, he ended up being a plumber because he needed to support his family, those kind of things. Um, so honoring that, recognizing it, having something in your home to remind you of those of those elders who have passed, um, that are calling out for some kind of recognition and some kind of way to transmute that energy. Um, because I, I as the dreamer, if I have a dream like that, it, it's up to me to say, oh, you know, maybe I, I need to express myself more creatively, because Grandpa never got to do that, you know, yeah. or Grandma. It, so then that it, it sort of um, feeds the ancestors in that way. Yeah, that's beautiful. Do
0: you know the book? It didn't start with you. I've I heard the.
1: I've heard the title. No, I'll have
0: to. Funny. I'll have to put it in the show notes since we're talking about ancestry, but there's a lot in that book is basically about what you're describing, the things that we carry from Uh past generations and how can we express those or honor those or heal those within our own lifetime.
1: That's very interesting. I'd love to know more about that. That sounds great.
0: Well, thank you, Billy. This has been such a pleasure as always to talk with you. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Would you like to share with everyone listening where they can find you and learn more about your work?
1: Sure. Um, my my website is wakeuptoyourdreams.com and um, there you will find links to the calendar and it will show where, you know the groups that I'm leading right now. I have two groups that meet on Tuesday nights and then uh, two groups that meet on Thursday afternoons and also on the, on the website there's a a link that says zoom gatherings and you can see the the uh tarot discussion groups that Patty and I've hosted over the last few months and i also of course do private sessions as well
0: okay great i'll put your website in the show notes and i will say i'd highly recommend joining one of billy's online zoom dream groups i got to be a part of one recently and billy you created such a warm comfortable space oh. where everybody everybody shared amazing things. It was, you know, it's always magical hearing from a whole group, but I really appreciated the way you facilitated that and everyone who was there. So.
1: Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I I love this work. It's, it's my soul's work. It's my, my spiritual practice. Um, there's no way I could ever stop working on dreams. Uh (laughs) And, And, and I, I, I love the, um, the group transformation that happens through through the group mind. Yeah, thank you.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Billy Ortiz. I'd love to hear from you now, too. Have you worked with tarot cards and dreams? Have you had any dreams about masks? Leave a comment at thedreamersden.org right below these show notes or post in the Dreamers Den free Facebook group. I'll be back with more on the podcast for you on the new moon. Until then, wishing you deep dreams.